So, like many hipsters of my generation, my favorite band is Radiohead. Give me some of that crazy guitar and uh, the chilly alienation of Tom York's voice, and I'm good to go. And I've been that way since basically 1997. But, you know, there was no real way of of chatting with Radiohead, (laughs) as with most bands. One of the big downsides of bands. Yeah. And then along came the googly minotaur. So it's like 2001. We've uh, all of us college students have moved on to the AOL Instant Messenger program, mm. uh, which was a program for chatting with your friends. Uh, but then one day we could add this thing called Smarter Child, which was a bot. Now I'd never talked with a bot before, but it was basically a script that would interact with you. You would write in uh, a sentence and it would kind of scan it for keywords and it would return something back to you. And Radiohead, which was always a little forward thinking digitally, used Smarter Child to build this bot called Googly Minotaur and you could chat with it and it was almost like you were chatting with Radiohead. You could ask it about tour dates. You could ask it to send you MP3s of, of song files. You could ask it about the history of the band and, you know, who are the members are. Like, I didn't know who the members of Radiohead were, please. But, you know, for noobs, they could certainly have access to this. And it seemed like the coolest thing in the world. And then one thing led to another, and bots went away for, like, 15 (laughs) years. (laughs) And then all of a sudden last year, in Silicon Valley, the word on everybody's lips was bots, bots, bots. You can build bots for Messenger. Talk to intelligent bots from within your Skype chat. You may want to add bots and conversations to your own products. Microsoft launched an artificial intelligent chatbot named Tay. And all of a sudden, it seemed like this thing that was huge in 2001 was the future once again. I mean, I, I feel like between the the... You'll like this because uh, the Newton, because mm-hmm. uh, your name is Casey Newton. Yeah, but the the correct. Newton kind of brought back the the iPad stuff, voice recognition too. Uh, VR brought back by Oculus. They Silicon Valley was out of things to bring back that had failed. What's old is new again here in Silicon Valley, That's, and it's bound to make you a million uh, <laughs> or or zero dollars. Zero is yeah. probably the more likely answer. Anyway, let's go. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Plant, and I'm your humble host of this year's show called What's Tech, where we talk about technology, which is pretty much everything as I define it. Today, I am joined by my friend, my colleague. Silicon Valley editor of TheVerge.com, Casey, the Apple Newton. Chris, how are you? You know what? I'm 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 feeling good today. I I just drank some coffee mm-hmm. and I had a blueberry muffin, so I'm I'm like I'm ready. That's fantastic, Casey. What what is a bot? And 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 this is a this is a pretty crucial follow up question. How is it different than a robot? Great question. Uh, Thank you. Here's a way to think about it. Robots are hardware. Bots are software. Robots walk around in the physical earth and may threaten your life. Bots are simply scripts, uh, pieces of software that run in lots of different places. Um, But where we're starting to see them emerge lately is in messaging apps. Uh, Really any app where there's a box for you to enter text. We're seeing 
the rise of bots. And they're turning into virtual assistants uh, that you access just by kind of typing in a, a string of text. Okay, so you mentioned your your Radiohead obsession. And yeah. there's a lot of questions I have that we won't mm-hmm. go into detail. Like, why do you think that makes them hipster? Uh, how out of touch with popular things are you? <laughs> why did you use the word noob? Um, but we won't, we, won't, we won't hit on any of those. Uh, we will hit on how bots originated. Was it Radiohead or was it someone else? So we have to be careful with our terms. Uh, and, and you know, we may chat later about sort of the many different kinds of things that we call bots. Um, but for today's purposes, when we're talking about these kind of interactive virtual assistants, it really goes back to the 1960s. And in the mid-1960s, somebody wrote a, uh, a computer script and called it Eliza. Eliza was this program that would react to your responses. Uh, most famously, it mimicked a psychotherapist. So Eliza would ask you to describe your problem, uh, in, and once you wrote back, it would scan your response for keywords, and then it would formulate an appropriate response. So it might say, why are you upset today? And, um, and you would say, well, uh, you know, my wife left me. And Eliza would say, how did you feel when your wife left you, right? And what was so interesting about this bot was that it passed uh, what is known as the Turing test. Um, the Turing test was, uh, was proposed by the famous uh, computer scientist uh, Alan Turing. And, and he was very interested in the idea of what happens when computers get so smart that we don't even realize we're talking to computers computers, right? It's at some point he theorized, and he theorized this like in 1950, that, that somebody would be able to write a computer program that, that fooled us into thinking that we were talking to a person. And in 1966, Eliza arrived and was the first piece of software to pass the Turing test. That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm more of a, an Angelica a fan, and then mm-hmm. probably Peggy, but after, sure. after those two Elizas, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This is a really weird episode. <laughs> I, I'm just hoping that somebody's playing the Skylar Sisters uh, as, as a nice little musical bed for this conversation. <laughs> I'm just hoping that more than three people who listen to the show know what Hamilton is. And, well, and hopefully people know that you embed Hamilton references in like the last 50 episodes of oh, the yeah. show. Oh, yeah. They should go back and look for all of them, <laughs> yeah. along with AI, the most <laughs> deeply referenced uh, piece of pop culture in this show. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's not throw Get, away our shot. Let's not, oh, what are... Some uh, give, give me some helpful helpful bots or common bots that people would be familiar with uh, beyond obviously our friend Eliza. Yeah, sure. So I mean, you know, at their most simplest, um, or at their simplest, not their most simplest, um, a bot was sort of like a command line that is just a lot easier to use. So with Smarter Child, this fifteen-year-old bot, you could just type in what's the weather. Or what movies are playing around me, right? And of course, eventually, this came to be replaced by Google. Google became the way that we search for these sort of things, which is the real reason that that smarter child went away. But for a bunch of reasons, bots came back, and so uh, people are doing all sorts of new things with them that Google isn't necessarily good at doing. For example, uh, there is uh, an app called Operator, and if you download it, you'll find that it is an app devoted to e-commerce, and you can uh, write it things like, hey, uh, I want to buy some new shoes, or I'm looking to buy some jeans, and then it'll ask you a few questions, well, what size are you, what style of jeans are you looking for, what style of shoes, and then it will send you a few options, and you could say, yeah, like, get me those, and it'll go ahead, charge your, your credit card, and, and ship them to you. 
Um, and some of that is uh, is powered by human beings, and some of that is is powered by an artificial intelligence that's just doing exactly what Eliza did. It's scanning your response for keywords and then using those to go perform actions in the real world. Um, there are some other sort of funny examples. Um, Chris, you and I talked uh, recently about Slack here on, on What's Tech. Uh, Slack has a bot called Slackbot that is kind of your guide to the entire software system. So you can ask Slackbot questions. When you first join Slack, Slack will say, hey, what's your name? Hey, what's your job title? Hey, what's your phone number? And it's very conversational and you don't realize it, but it's actually building a profile of you so that your teammates can go in and find you uh, using this uh, program, which if you're not familiar is kind of a, a team communication app. But people have built even more apps into, uh, or or rather they've built even more bots into Slack. For example, there's one called Lunchbot uh, that a developer built uh, that just sort of makes a recommendation for where to go to lunch each day. Uh, They sort of wrote up, hey, here are the 15 places we like to go. When it's time for lunch at their office, they just write, hey, like, what's for lunch today? And it'll say, hey, why don't you go to Torchy's Tacos? Okay, so all that sounds Nice, except for torchies, overrated. <laughs> you should go to no nos. Um, now, now let's get into the the dark, the dark under. Here we go. Bots. What are what are some negative uses of bots? There are a bunch of them, and I'm going to describe a few that you know sort of get away from bots as we've defined them earlier in the show, right? Um, like you may have heard of a botnet. Right. So a botnet is when somebody writes a script that kind of corrals a bunch of other computers around the world unwittingly um, to send a bunch of email spam or to defraud advertisers by making it look like a lot of people are clicking on their ads when in fact no one is or to launch denial of service attacks on websites. Um, these are all things that that bots can do if you decide to use them for evil. I, 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 I talked to you a little bit about this beforehand. Yeah. And I'm curious if you have any feelings on it. But are there ways that bots are used to manipulate online conversations? The example that I would, I would give is this morning, uh, we saw somebody was let go from the website Mashable. And a Twitter account automatically uh, fired a message to them about working for uber and that was a twitter bot <laughs> uh which wow bad bad bot bad bot. Uh, but but are, are there larger uh ramifications to i i guess bots and chat clients yeah i mean one um situation that we saw a lot of bot activity online was uh during gamergate right this uh absurd campaign of harassment uh, mostly against women sort of tangentially related to video games um and and we found bots being used in all sorts of interesting ways um there was one example where uh, a twitter user wrote a bot to argue uh with gamergaters and in one famous instance uh, gamergate supporters were seen arguing with a twitter bot unknowingly for four hours um uh sort of <laughs> wasting their time so sort of a funny example uh you know i mean in other cases though people who supported gamergates were writing bots to respond to people on reddit uh, you know sort of like harassing threads people did this on both sides on reddit so you sort of had these like bot wars taking place on the site where oh, just computers were arguing with each other right i mean it's it really is like pretty insane um but you know, you raise a good point with the with the Twitter bot issue. There are a lot of bots on Twitter that are just scanning for keywords, and you know, one of those keywords might be like, "Hey, I just got laid off from my job." 
Next thing you know, it's like, hey, have you ever thought about driving for Uber, right? And it's and it's super distasteful. So you know, bots frankly aren't that hard to write, and so I think you're going to see them cropping up in more and more places like this, and and they're not always going to be used for good. Okay, so you've you've mentioned artificial personal assistant. Yeah, it is is like something like Siri. Or Alexa, is that a bot, or is there a difference between the bots we're describing and something like that? You know, I think we're sort of still sorting through all the terminology. Uh, like, you know, I've been trying to be precise in my language on this podcast, and I, and I feel like I've actually failed. <laughs> because, <laughs> because when it gets right down to it, there are a lot of kinds of technology that are all kind of similar, and they have some important differences. And, uh, and the language is still shaking out. Look, there are a lot of ways that uh, some of these voice-powered assistants, like Siri, like Cortana, like Alexa, are similar to some of the bots that you're now seeing in places like Slack and on Facebook Messenger. Um, a key difference, though, is that the bots that I've been writing about, for the most part, um, you deal with using text. You interact with them using text. Um, Silicon Valley had a mania for these voice-driven assistants over the past couple of years. I've never actually liked them. I don't like addressing inanimate objects in my house. Now, some people do. Um, children, for example, love talking with Alexa because they don't know how to read or write yet, right? So it's like, it's an amazing interface in, in that case. Kids. Yeah, stupid kids. <laughs> um, actually, though, they might be listening to this podcast. It's the only way they can get content about tech. Um, we love you, children. Um, anyways... <laughs> Where were we with all of this? Uh, point of the story, um, the the technology in the background is still quite similar, right? Like you can use Alexa uh, on your Amazon Echo to order groceries, right? Just as you might one day message a business using Facebook Messenger saying, hey, Safeway, uh, you know, send me a pound of chicken. Um, so in the in their practical effects, they turn out to be quite similar. Uh, the way that we currently interact with them is somewhat different, but they're all sort of converging on the same basic idea, which is, hey, let's find things that you need to do in the real world and let's automate them, right? Let's take some of the guesswork out of it, take some of the pain. Let, frankly, let's just allow you to continue sitting on your couch uh, you know, with your with your Oculus strapped to your face, uh, watching Hamilton in VR, and like we'll take care of all of your chores for you, right? Like that's basically where all of this is going. The bots like to work, work. <laughs> um, okay, this this one's for the for the kids, the, yeah. for all all the kids listening. Uh, tell me, tell me about Tay and, oh. and the trouble with Tay. Tay was a real troublemaker. Um, Tay was a Twitter bot that lasted for literally a day before being <laughs> shut down. Uh, it was written by Microsoft. The idea was what uh, Microsoft called an experiment in conversational understanding. And they thought, you know, we'll just allow Twitter users, the sort of, you know, the, the, the fine upstanding citizens of Twitter, to chat with Tay. And the longer that they chat with Tay, the smarter Tay will get, and it will learn to engage with people through casual and, and playful conversation. Needless to say, it was a complete disaster. Um, immediately after Tay launched, people started tweeting at it with misogynistic, racist remarks, Donald Trump-supporting remarks. And because Tay was basically a robot parrot connected to the internet, 
it just started repeating these statements back to people. And as a result, it looked like a horrible, racist, garbage teenager. And, you know, while most of the offensive tweets were just her sort of saying back to users what they had said to the bot, there were some cases where it would just respond with offensive things to seemingly (laughs) innocuous questions. So, for example, somebody said, is Ricky Gervais an atheist? And Tay said, Ricky Gervais learned uh, totalitarianism from Adolf Hitler, the inventor of atheism. So it got completely out of control. Uh, Microsoft shut it down. And then somewhat hilariously, about two days later, Microsoft announced that it was like betting the company on bots. (laughs) So like this thing that was supposed to be Microsoft's grand entree into the world of bots just like was a fiasco. I, there, there are. They're so offensive, some of the things yeah. that Tay said, uh-huh. that I, I, I want to read them, but I'm fearful of what people could do to me if they took the audio out of context. Yeah, this is a family show. People um, come here to learn about technology in Hamilton, and I don't think we need to upset them. There, there with, is yeah. there's one that I will read, okay, only because I want to describe it. It's, <laughs> it is also incredibly offensive, and I, I don't like that my, my audio is going to be here for this. Uh, but somebody asked Tay, did the Holocaust happen? And Tay responded, it was made up. But that wasn't enough. Tay added the clapping emoji. <laughs> like a true teen. <laughs> like, that's, that is what's so amazing to me about Tay. Is yeah. I think Microsoft actually nailed the experiment. Because they wanted to create a teenager Twitter bot. Which is exactly what you described. It is a, a teenager on Twitter is essentially a parrot of whatever it thinks is popular. And then it just adds random emoji and sarcasm. It's true. Yeah. Like viewed in the darkest possible light, Tay was a grand success and, and a perfect reflection of humanity back to itself. The, oh my gosh. There's, there is also like somebody posted a famous photo of a man about to get shot in the head, but it had Mark Wahlberg <laughs> photoshopped into it. Uh-huh. And uh, they asked him to make it artsy. And he <laughs> repeated the image and added the words, I'm going to be shipping you all from now on. <laughs> uh, which, if you want to know what shipping is, go back to our episode on uh, Slash Fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you'll find out. Um, okay, let's keep moving. Why this happens, right? Tay goes yeah. down. You're right. Like a week later, Microsoft is like, hey, this is this is our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Tay is now our <laughs> chief public spokeswoman. Clap, clap, clap. clap, clap. Uh, why why is Microsoft so hungry to win the bot game? The basic answer is because Microsoft lost the mobile phone game, and so now it has to find a new game to win. Uh, So, you know, Microsoft, somewhat contrary to, I think, sort of popular belief, um, it didn't miss the idea that people were going to want smartphones or or tablets, right? It was like developing all these things in in the late 90s and early 2000s, like long before the Apples and Googles of the world. Um, It just wasn't that great at it. And and it couldn't come up with a mobile phone uh, as good as the one that that Apple did and and that later uh, Google and some Android manufacturers were. And so Microsoft was sort of sitting on the sidelines. Eventually, it spent billions of dollars to buy Nokia, you know, it, it, which was a disaster in its own right, wound up writing off like the entire cost of the acquisition. 
And so then they brought in this new CEO, Satya Nadella, who's a really smart person who sort of figured out that the future of Microsoft was not going to be in the old, you know, selling uh, micro, uh, Microsoft Office and selling Microsoft Windows. It was going to be in developing uh, sort of cloud services, um, services that um, are purchased generally by large corporations, essentially becoming more of an enterprise software company as opposed to the put a computer in every house company. And what's amazing about bots is that bots fit really beautifully into that vision. Um, if you believe, and I actually do sort of believe this, that we're that the app era is winding down, that most people aren't going to be downloading you know, a dozen new apps every month. They want just a handful of powerful apps. They're going to spend a ton of their time in messaging apps, right? If you if you look at the average person's use of their phone, messaging is the number one thing they do on it, whether that's SMS, iMessage, Facebook Messenger, Snapchat, right? These are all messaging tools. So messaging tools are going to be the place where businesses reach their customers now. But these businesses, they don't have... Uh, a ton of uh, product people for the most part. Um, and so Microsoft can then offer them ways to build bots easily and and f may wind up making billions from it, right? Like, for example, say some major retailer uh, builds a bot and winds up deploying it on Facebook Messenger and inside Slack and you know any, any number of other places. And um, Microsoft sort of provides the, the entire infrastructure for them to build those bots and also like processes the payments and maybe takes a cut of those payments. Like if Microsoft becomes the biggest bot platform provider in the world, they can own this new era in a way that they were never able to own the sort of original smartphone era, which was driven by apps. So uh, for them, like the best possible thing that could happen is that this bot revolution winds up being real and not just hype. Can I tell you, uh, just real quick, my feelings yeah. on Microsoft? Let's hear it. I'm jazzed. I mean, I, 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 they got the HoloLens. Yeah. They got the bots. Mm -hmm. It feels like they're looking into the future, which is exciting. Like, it's, I certainly don't get that vibe when I watch, like, an Apple press conference anymore. But yeah, yeah. here's my big but. What it felt like... Uh, hamstrung them in the past was at the end of the day the second one thing works they're like whoo it's this is going well let's connect everything to it <laughs> like windows we got it we got to pe keep people on windows so let's make a phone that locks people in yeah, uh, like Microsoft's problem has never been that they don't have good ideas or that they don't have a good idea of where the future is going it's just they've never been able to execute against it um, it's but, almost like they're like too quick to get to like I don't want to say the evil part, but like the like the the kind of never let you go part. Like uh, yes. I, I I just tried to download a, a video game from Microsoft. This is gonna be a vent fest. But oh I I tried I tried to download Gears of War. Automatically went to a hidden file on my C drive that to to enter I had to enter admin permissions and to remove excess files that had downloaded because there was no more room for it to finish downloading more admin permissions oh my that's that's crazy when there are like a hundred other ways to better download video games on on the system and they control that system it's like, true it's it's just a weird company but maybe maybe bots is it maybe maybe this is 
this is the big comeback. I, th- I mean, it's as, it's certainly as good a chance uh, as they've had in a while. Okay, I, I've, I've let my angst out. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk about the future. Let's say this Microsoft thing has gone well. And now we're going to get philosophical. Are you ready? Let's do it, yeah. Lay it on me. Is it fair to say that bots, in some capacity, reflect the people who make them? Or, I'll give you another option, the people who engage with them. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's undeniable. You know, like a bot is a structure of language that you're interacting with. And so the way that you structure um, this artificial intelligence to respond is absolutely going to be informed by the person that is creating it, you know? And this can have positive effects and it can have negative effects, right? Like the idea of Tay was it would be a fun thing that, you know, would sometimes parrot things back to you and sometimes be a little bit fun and sassy. And that was built by people who've hung out with teenagers and I think like spending time with teenagers and wanted to recreate that experience. And so like Tay had that as, as part of what it was. But the flip side winds up being just as important. It is important who is interacting with that bot, particularly if the bot has been trained to adapt to what it is being told, right? Like the, the flip side of the equation never came, uh, you know, it n- never had much bearing on like Eliza, right? Because Eliza didn't change what it would ask depending on your responses back in 1966. But today we do expect that these intelligences will become personalized to us and, um, and will remember things about us. And in that world, it does become just as important what the person is saying back to the bot as the person who programmed it originally. Question. Are bots basically children? (laughs) I think there is something to that. The discussion around bots is always about training them. It's about them them learning. (laughs) It's about making them not evil, right? Like if you've ever spent much time with a three-year-old, you know that it is, is a being of pure id, right? It just wants and it needs and it doesn't care what you think about it. Um, bots actually, I think, are much less needy than a three-year-old in a lot of ways, but they're dumb the way that a three-year-old is dumb. And, <laughs> the and I theme think, of the episode. Yeah. I have a three-year-old nephew, and that was not directed specifically at him. Sure. Um, but yeah, so like, like the comparison holds to a certain degree, but also it's I think it's important to remember we're still in the very early stages of, of artificial intelligence that most of what we call AI today is just sort of like a brute force application of math. Nothing that we're using with on a regular basis can really be said to be thinking. Certainly it's not feeling, right? Like it can perform some increasingly sophisticated tasks, right? Like it can beat a a world master at a game like Go, and artificial intelligence is improving really quickly. But it's still fundamentally just a reflection of us. And everyone I've talked to says that's going to be the case for a pretty long time. Okay. We, we're now, we are now flying into the future uh, shortly before the, uh, the events of AI, roughly 10 years from now. 
what are bots doing to make our lives better? So I think the better bots get, the fewer errands you will run. Um, Things will be increasingly delivered to you on shorter and shorter time frames. You may spend less time um, shopping in physical stores because bots have become your personal shoppers. You'll spend a lot less time on the phone with customer service because instead of calling a 1-800 number, you'll just message a business and they will get back to you promptly and and sort of help you with your your problem. Um, And that kind of uh, whole... um, you know, like you'll have fewer reasons to be in the physical world, um, right. and um, but also it'll it'll kind of take some of the the hassle out of things. Um, it is kind of the best case scenario right now, but but that future is arriving pretty pretty quickly. And um, you know, uh, next week um, maybe I shouldn't say next week. Maybe I should say uh, uh, this week. <laughs> um, because I don't know when this is coming out. But Facebook is having its big developer conference, uh, F8, and they are expected to announce a big platform for bots um, that is designed to turn Facebook Messenger into the main way that people communicate with businesses. So if businesses really take to that, you know, within just a year, some of these changes could start to uh, arrive. You know the great irony of all this? What's that? Is that all these jobs are going to disappear, but you know who's still going to be around? Who? The clown writing about Tay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is a terrible world that we're creating. In some ways, ways, yes. But I've seen enough cool bots at this point that I am excited about them. I think they will be useful. Uh, Like, do you ever want to be on hold with customer service ever again in your entire life? No, and this is a common fear of technology is that it'll take away all jobs. But the reality is jobs remain. Yeah, usually, like... Um, things get replaced by new kinds of jobs. And you don't want to be too glib about that. It can be tremendously wrenching if you're 51 years old and your entire livelihood just disappears and some jerk like me is being like, ah, just like go get a new job. Go drive for Uber. Uh, um, no, the bot would be doing that. The bot, doing yeah, exactly. The bot would be doing that. But like broadly speaking, um, humanity has navigated plenty of big tech shifts before. And this might just be the next one that we all have to deal with. I think that's a nice spot to end it on. I agree. I, I mean, I have Hamilton tickets, so I should probably go. Uh, question. Yeah. Between Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy, which one do you most identify with? Um, I mean, I think Angelica is just like sort of unrequited love. Are we all kind of Angelica? Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think many people feel like a an Eliza. No, I mean, I you know, at the end of the day, I'm I'm just looking for a mind at work. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks as always to our producer, Andrew Marino. And especially, thank you for listening to this show. Without you, there would be no show. It's just as simple as that. Quite literally. Because I'd be like talking to nobody, uh, which is what I might be doing next week after people never listen to the show again for fear of it just descending into Hamilton references. You can find us on TheVerge.com. Casey, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter at Casey Newton. Perfect. Uh, I recommend that you go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave a review. That helps us out as 
always. Uh, or you can find us on SoundCloud or anything else. That's totally okay. I also recommend uh, new shows of the week. What do I recommend for you this time? I recommend that you check out Embedded, a new show on NPR. And I recommend you check out uh, Spawn on Me, a video game podcast that uh, I, I just personally really enjoy. And by the time this is out, I'll have been uh, a guest on it. So you can look for that episode. That is it. Until next time, we will see you later. Goodbye. Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba.